At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome back to the 48 Men Podcast. I am your host. Uh, I don't really know why I feel the need to say that because I, I do this every week, but uh, I'm super excited for my guest today. His name is KB. He is a husband, a father, a Christian rapper, a uh, preacher, and an entrepreneur. You really do. You do so many things. I feel like I can't, I feel like I can't list them all. Yeah, it's a lot of eggs in the basket, man. <laughs> a lot of eggs in the basket. Well, uh, yes. man, I'm so, so uh Stoked that you are joining me today, and I know that it's going to be just an awesome conversation. So thanks for taking the time to to join us here. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I we, we're talking about two of my favorite things, uh, so the the physical and the spiritual uh, kind of training. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to be here and just appreciate all that you do, my guy. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, and that's what's so cool because like it really is, you know, two. It's like separate sides of the coin, you know, but it, but it is the training idea, and that's where the whole thing comes from, yeah. where Paul says, you know, physical training is of some value, but godliness is a value in every way, and that's if, right. if you want to get to godliness, you know, that comes through training yourself spiritually, so they're both, Absolutely. you know, they're both disciplines that you got to put in. Well, speaking of disciplines, how do you yes. implement physical training into, uh, into your life schedule? Because I know that you are a busy man, and you got a lot of things to do. Yes. Um, I know cats out there. Um, I've seen so many TikToks of people talking about waking up at 5 a.m. and starting their first 10 mile run. And then they, you know, meditate and then do yoga and then they run their second 10 miles at <laughs> six and then shower. Like I, it's, you know, I, it, it can be obnoxious. But the truth of the matter, dear brothers and sisters, if you get up early Uh, now, that requires going to bed early as well. So yeah. I got an old man spirit that's going to put me in bed at nine regardless. So, um, But getting up early um, has made all the difference uh, for me. Uh, I have found my mind. It's, it's interesting even that uh, David says that for him that he would seek the Lord in the morning before the sun came up. That there is for me, I, I can resonate with David in this respect that There's a clarity of mind that I feel in the morning. There's a, a, a kind of sobriety that I have as I'm standing over the, my, my day, looking at all the things that are, are ahead of me. I also want God to anoint my day. Uh, uh, you know, this is, this is first thing in the morning. Yeah. The, the trouble that the day is already programmed to have. You know what I'm saying? We, we are... We are told not to worry about tomorrow's trouble because tomorrow's trouble is going to be there and it's just fine. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like to be in front of the day's trouble and saying, Lord, please put your hand on what's about to happen um, throughout the day, what will transpire. And I have found that that, you know, getting up at five, six o'clock, um, which is also by force because I have children um, and, uh, and a lot of them. I have three of them. And uh, they they also could care less about sleeping in. That's just not something that interests them. They are offended by sleeping. So um, I've also had to adjust to that rhythm as well. But I think getting up early has allowed me to really find hours that I didn't have, I'd say perhaps in my early 20s, uh, when I made a rhythm out of it. And your body adjusts to it. I don't think I'm a morning person, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think you need to be a morning person to get up early um yeah. i think it's it's has a lot to do with what drives you um and uh and i i i feel as though finding that time before the sun has come up um to really begin to lay out a pathway for uh the day i find myself finishing work early and i get my evenings um yeah. to my to myself and my family and and to rest and restore yeah So do you do, like, when you wake up that early, do you do quiet times? Do you, do you, do you go on a run, or, or what, what do you do? So typically my, my, my day looks like getting up early, 
asking Jesus to please be near me through this day and to sustain me through whatever is on the agenda, whether it be glory or gory. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that up. Glory or gory. That's good. Uh, I like that. But anyway, I'm a rapper. I can't, I can't help it. Um, so, so I, I try to start there. Then it's all hands on deck with preparing all three of my children for what their day is going to be. And that includes yeah. a, 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 my wife leads, the, leads in this respect that also is preparing their heart spiritually for what they're about to go through that day as well. We kind of, each day is like a, a battle yeah. that we're, we're, we're you know, kind of, we're in the trenches sharpening the swords and, you know, shining off or, or sort of dusting off the shield. We're stretching, getting way, ready to go forth. So we start with ourselves and we move to the children. Once we get them dropped off, which is early, like we get, well, not super early, but like 7 a.m. esque. That's early. That's when we, yeah, this is pretty early. I promise we you, that's early. Make, I don't wake up that early. That's right. <laughs> See, it ain't daddy early. Daddy early is five. You know uh, what I'm saying? I've been boxing for a long time. So for me, um, and I have a lot of, lot of thoughts of, uh, why I think boxing is so appealing to me uh, as a man, as a believer. Um, and um, I think for the majority of the last decade of my life, I've everything that I've done, whether I'm running or lifting weights or uh, working on strength and, and uh, agility, all of it has been to serve the fight moment, um, which for me, is sparring so i'm i'm what they call a weekend warrior so i'm I'm getting tons of uh tons of rounds in with amateur fighters pro fighters uh novice um in fact ocho cinco uh yeah, I, chad I saw, ocho cinco a few, a few months ago how was <laughs> yeah, that yeah yeah he joined so he joined our fight camp we have this fight camp that we do every tuesday and he joined about two months ago and uh, and it was great. It was great. He's he's in the regular routine with us. He and I got a chance to uh, to spar. We we did like some light sparring once. Then we did with body sparring. So we, which is where we're we're touching light to the head, but going hard to the body. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was good. It was real good, man. And I think um, boxing, in a lot of ways, is a humbling sport, man, because. They always talk about how we are, it, it's true that we are always in process and there's always more to learn. And mm-hmm. boxing is just a constant reminder that you have not arrived and you are far from getting there because there's, there's levels. And I think that that, um, that has, it's analogous to what, uh, kind of what we go through in life and as we think about our sanctification, us getting more like Jesus. We don't ever get to the place where like, well, I got it now. Now yeah. we can just coast the rest of the way out. It is training to the end. How does your wife? How does your wife feel about you boxing? So at first, because you know I've I've come home with black eyes, and uh, <laughs> three months ago I was tr- I, I was being a tough guy and was like, I, and I left my mouth guard at home, so I was like, I don't need no mouth guard. No, nobody's gonna hurt me. And of course, uh, my sparring partner caught me with an uppercut. That caused me to bite through my tongue. I had to go to the ER and get oh, stitches and no. stuff like that. But to be fair, my brother, the injuries that I sustain while boxing are few and far in between. Uh, unlike basketball. So I gave up basketball about six years ago uh-huh. because I was getting injured every single week, brother. Every week it was the ankle was twisted, uh, you know, ribs were bruised. Uh, even though there's grown men throwing punches at me, I still have yeah. found it to be far safer. <laughs> I was actually going to say, Option. I think I think I would rather have a head guard on and get punched in the face than have a twisted ankle. Any I mean, day, nothing anytime. is Nothing is worse than a twisted ankle. I mean, it's awful, bro. It, it is. It is actually the worst. Yes, it is absolutely the worst. Uh, I've had a couple of moments that remind me that this is still you know, a, a endeavor that is littered with risk. So I, I have to, I have to keep that in mind, but yeah. to me, the reward outweighs the risk, uh, in that I am, um, I am in, in a lot of ways pursuing a passion of mine. I, I love 
the, you know, I, I love pugilism. I, I love the idea of studying the art and science of what it means to be in hand-to-hand combat. I, I love that. I'm not like a, you know, man's man walking around like, oh, put him up kind of thing. Um, but I, I find it sweet. I find it musical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I find it intellectual. It's a thinking game. Um, so all of those things are just good graces that stimulate my heart and mind. Um, and I think it also has uh, tremendous impacts on my spiritual walk as well. Yeah, well, because it, it's it's even like you said, like if we're believers, we there's a you know we serve a God, but there's also an enemy. So we're always in a spiritual warfare. We're always in you know some form of fight. That's when Paul talks about you know the um, oh, I'm I'm going to botch the verse, but he, when he talks about the uh, breastplate of righteousness and the yes. uh, the Shoes ready to preach. Yeah, uh-huh. the shield of faith and the helmet yeah. uh, of righteousness. I think it might be. Um, but just the idea yeah. of like we're warriors and like you know there is a there is a spiritual battle going on. So even just preparing yourself physically, I think that's such a cool illustration. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's the story of life, Christian. That that God has designed the world to work in a way for human beings that they would train for whatever it is that they're going out to accomplish. So whether that's that that's education, discipleship, I think what Paul said to Timothy, he says to train yourself for godliness. Yeah. And uh, that word train there is literally from the Greek word that you get gymnasium from. So uh, it's a, I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. The whole concept of the, of, of the, the book is that you are in the gymnasium of faith as a Christian in this world. And in the gymnasium, there are different machines that exercise different elements of your game or of your body. So if there's like the leg press, well, that could be the the our growth in evangelism as we walk in this world uh, and take the good news uh, to, to 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 others. It could be the bench press, which we we think about in terms of how do we. Uh, protect our hearts how do we make sure that we're strong in the in 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 the assaults that come from us when we are enraged in or sort of engaged in battle so on and so forth each particular machine works another element of your faith and in that book disciplines of a godly man there's there he has a chapter on the discipline of fatherhood the discipline of friendship the discipline of holiness the the, the discipline of generosity these are all machines in the gymnasium of God, the gymnasium of faith, that as you practice them, as you get better at them, it actually makes you a freer individual. That yeah. you can, he, he gives the example of, of that, that training, though difficult and hard, is the most liberating activity that a person can engage in. Because if I have trained, especially as a fighter, I'm in there all the time with, you know, some guy will come off the street and he's fought people, you know, down at the club or something like that. And, and, and he's in pretty good shape. He's got muscles and stuff like that. And he gets in the ring and he thinks he's going to basically beat up anybody that gets in there. And then you have a 13-year-old kid that's just been training that's in there and he's not afraid of you. He knows how to use his punches. He knows how to use his feet and will run circles around a grown man because one has trained and in the ring, they are freer, they are more dangerous than the person that is just relying on, you know, their kind of genetic ability or whatever it may be. Training gives you an advantage in the fight that makes you able to spread your wings. It, it also helps with fear. Yeah. I, that's one of the biggest analogies that I, with, with boxing. If you've prepared and you've trained, you're not scared. So it, it, because I, I know, I know what I... For, I've been here before. I think about what David says about Goliath. I've slayed a bear before, fam. Yeah. I've, I've killed a lion. I've been here before. Yeah. I know what to do. That's a wink at his training. Yeah. And what that does is God uses your training to help you obey his commandment to not fear. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a powerful analogy in how that works in, in, in the ring because you are there confident in what has been entrusted in you through your preparation that you are in the ring and you are in control of your body you are not scared you've seen his moves before if he's being aggressive that's fine we're prepared for that if he's being laid back that's cool we're prepared for that 
that is the that's what makes a fighter uh, truly great. Is there? Yeah, the yeah. training coming together with that moment. Man, that's so awesome. I did not I did not know that that, that word translated was was gymnasium. That's so cool to think about. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you weren't if if you weren't a rapper, would you be a, would you be a professional boxer? I think so. Have you thought about I that? I think so. Yeah, in fact, when I was um when I was in college, uh well, I was in high school, but I, I was in this, this it's a long story, but I I was I started college early. Um and, and when I was in college, um I had a college success skills uh class. Uh-huh. And uh, they asked, what do you dream to be in this life? And I had two things. Uh, the first was a missionary. I want to be a missionary to the nations for the Lord Jesus. And the second was, I want to be a pro fighter. And uh, my teacher begged me to give up the second. It's like, please don't ruin your life. What if your mouth gets injured? You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. So I'm content with being a weekend warrior. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting... Like I said, it's it's a pretty safe environment. Uh, I have uh, I've never had a show canceled because I couldn't walk yeah. like I did with basketball. Yeah, and um, and uh, so I'm I'm kind of I'm content getting uh, my my fix from just you know kind of sparring on the weekends. Yeah, well that's so that's so cool how you have something like like boxing that replenishes you re- replenishes you you know physically, but also has implications on yourself spiritually. Amen, brother. Absolutely. Yes. The spiritual implication is such a powerful point, brother, because the, 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 the main thing you feel when you step into a ring and there's an opponent on the other side who is trying to hurt you is afraid. You, you, you get you become afraid. Yeah. And there's nothing that has taught me about what fear does to you and why God, the, the, the living God, was if I can say this, obsessive in the Old Testament, almost obsessive in the Old Testament about you not being afraid. Do not fear men whose life is in their nostrils. Uh, Do not fear men and their faces. Fear not, for I am God. It's the most common command that God gives his people throughout the scripture. And what boxing has taught me is that when I get in the ring, and I see this guy across, you know, the ring and, 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 and p- perhaps he has 10, 15 fights under his belt. He's been doing this longer than I've been doing it. He looks scary. You know, he's making crazy noises. <laughs> and uh, he's over there pounding the pavement. You begin to become afraid of what you see. And Brother Christian, almost every time, I, I've, I've gotten beat, beaten up several times in the ring it's, it, it just comes along with with territory but i've always got beaten up the worst when i let my fear take the driver's seat mm. fear locked me out of my training i wasn't able to access all the things i had practiced all the things that my coach had entrusted in me that that had implanted in me all of it was out the window and i am fighting off a pure instinct there's no, there's, no, there's no doctrine, no discipleship, no teaching. It's just pure emotion. And it always resulted in my get, being in a worse position than I was before. You're going to get hit in the ring. It is inevitable. But yeah. you can either get hit with your eyes open, trusting your training, or you can get hit with your eyes closed, which makes the, 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 the punch more injurious because the worst punch is the one that you do not see. Yeah. And what I what I what I've learned is that fear does that, brother. Fear will lock you out of what you could take on the cheek and keep moving forward, or what you could maybe avoid via your training, your discipleship, rather. But fear locks you out from your coach, your God. Fear gives all the power to the enemy, and it puts you into a place where it renders you next to useless and this is why god makes a big deal about it and i think that boxing has taught me that in a profound way yeah man that's so good well even just going off of that how do you like what are ways that you think we combat that obviously through prayer and through you know knowing god's word but what are ways that um you know even for you with 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 rapping and even just your spiritual walk what are ways that you actively you know combat fear that that can cripple you because i know that so many people 
in our generation, it's like crippling fear and anxiety that, you know, they can't, they can't live with it. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's a bunch of things there. Um, I think that one of the things that we see with boxers, excuse me, I, I burped a little bit. I hope that didn't get okay. You're good. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> this, this is a man show. Okay. Hey, we're not cutting uh, this out. Anyways. Um, so one of the things that a fighter will do is that they will have coaches that work on different parts of their game. So they'll have a, 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 a mitt coach that holds the pass pads for them. They'll also have a strength and condition conditioning coach, uh, somebody that can help them with their strength and their ability to endure. Uh, they may go down, uh, go up to Big Bear in California and train with, with some of the coaches that have done elevation training, which helps their entire game. They may go down to Puerto Rico and work with some of the, the, the Puerto Rican-style fighters or coaches or, or go out to Cuba. You go around from different places to get different looks from sparring partners and then also coaches. I think that that's also a part of our training as believers. Uh, I, I start with, first of all, a good church, man. God has designed the church to be a place where individuals are made strong. Mm -hmm. It is a hospital for the sick, uh, healing for the sick. It is also a gymnasium for the soldier. It is also a, 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 a preparation place for the soldiers in God's army. And I want to be careful with that analogy because I know a lot of people will over-masculinize over uh, these kinds of things. But yeah. There is a real combat, and Paul says that this is the good fight of faith. So one of the places that we learn that is in the context of a community with good pastors, good leaders, good elders, good um, relationships with other believers, that it's not always going to be Hallmark cards and, and hugs and kisses, but there's also going to be conflict yeah. with other believers that we may have to work through some stuff. I, I might have I might have hurt you and you might have hurt me as a good friend of mine puts it that we're all broken. So when we get close to each other, we have sharp edges and we cut. But that cutting oftentimes, if it's in the context of a healthy church. Can result in a stronger faith that it is through the endurance, even with other brothers and sisters that strengthens you. So I think that that's a good a good place. I also am a proud proponent of Christian therapists that. In this day and age, the Lord is giving us the grace of, of doctors of the soul that can help us to get underneath where some of our trauma triggers are and some of our addictions that plague our lives. Um, I think that's a powerful thing as well. Another, another area in which I think that you can, you can train in this is, as you talked about, us continuing in prayer, us continuing to stay before uh, the Lord's word, hearing it regularly, that kind of thing. And here's what I think is the biggest place in which we kind of uh, approach this. God in his word has laid out a bunch of a bunch of direction and instruction around loving your neighbor. It's by far the most detailed. It's the most detailed admonition in the New Testament, how you love people. Almost every command in the Beatitude is undergirded with love or every statement in the Beatitudes is undergirded with the mission of love. The two greatest commandments, Jesus said to love God. And he says that the second is like the first, love one another. Paul goes on through Romans 12, all through the New Testament. I don't, it, I, we don't have time to get into all of it, but becoming better lovers on purpose, mm -hmm. acting generously towards our neighbor, being more considerate about the needs of those who are around us, being uh, a, a servant in the community in the city how can we lift burdens and and uh and, and and loosen chains and end oppression that kind of stuff gives you opportunities to meet with the might of god when it is connected to your obeying and following what god has said and what you will do in your life this is the big thing the love connected to this what i'm about to say right now as you do that, as you are seeing the, the, the hand of God move through your obedience 
to be a lover. As you do that, you will have a history book that you can reference to of God stepping in and making stuff happen so that when it feels like God's not going to do something, you can remember when he did do something in the past and say, oh, no, I want to doubt right now. I want to be afraid right now. I want to give in to my anxiety and fear. I want to eat the bread of anxious anxious toil, as it says in Psalms. Wait, wait, waiting up early, trying to control my destiny because I don't think God has it anymore. I got to take control. When you feel that temptation, God wants you to remember his works of old, not just in the scripture, which is important, but the works of old in your own life. Has he not been faithful to you as you've obeyed him in the past? And if he's never let you down then, back then, he's not going to let you down now. So that, that's what I would give you. That's so good, man. I love, I love talking to you because you're so wise. And even just, you know, when we have conversations in person and you, you, you explain things so well, you really are, you have mm. such a, you have such a gift in that. And I think it even comes out in the lyrics that you write. Mm. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man. Well, you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, going into, uh, being in high school, kind of going into college and wanting to be a missionary. And I think many high schoolers, you know, don't have that heartbeat. So for you, where did your relationship with Jesus start? And have you always had that burden and that, and that desire to, to really follow after Jesus? Um, great question, Christian. Um, well, for one, I was completely uninterested. I was completely uninterested in following Jesus seriously um, until I was about 16 years old. Um, uh, like most 16 years, 16 year olds, um, I was very confused about my life. I uh, found myself, um, uh, on the back end of a divorce, uh, my parents had divorced, so my mom and I, we left the stability of a Air Force base in Southern Illinois. And uh, when I was like 12 or 13, and we moved smack dab to the middle of the hood in Southside Saint Southside Saint Petersburg, um, which was terrifying for me when I was there. When I when I first got there, um, even though as after meeting Jesus, I became grateful that I was there, and my heart is still there to this day, um, given our name of our podcast, Southside Rabbi. That's my heart from where I was born and, and where the Lord sent me when I was 12 or 13 years old. meant that I was very much compounding my teenage issues. I mean, teenagers are going through, they're kind of coming alive, alive to life. They're figuring out who they are. Their souls are, are starting to, uh, to, to be more vocal. So you, you, you're, you're trying to figure out who you are, where you fit in, what am I doing here? Um, and all kind of weird things are happening. Your body is just developing, that kind of thing, um, with puberty. So that being compounded, compounded with being in a space where I felt like I was in danger all the time, going to bed to, to, to gunshots and seeing people running from the police and people getting killed in the street and folks getting robbed all the time. And it, it, at least, even though it wasn't as much as it felt like, um, but it was enough to make me feel like I was constantly living in torment and I need to rise to the occasion. So I wanted to be harder. I wanted to fight more. I, I wanted to get weaponry. I wanted to, uh, to, to fit in with the, with the local, um, whoever was running my block. I wanted to be able to show them that I was, I was gang. I was down. I, I, I'm willing to do crazy stuff too. All of this created a very dark experience for me that I didn't realize that was making me um, ripe for redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the wreckage that was starting to accumulate around me was making me ripe for redemption. And it was in that space. Um, I mentioned that I, I, I got into this program, even though I was living in abject poverty, there was still uh, um, I, my, my mind was pretty sharp and I got these, opp- I got an opportunity to basically uh, start college at 16. And there was basically a few other black people in that program. And we sort of set, we, we sort of came together. One of those individuals was a dude named Jeremy Baker. And Jeremy Baker, I heard, was a rapper. And uh, I had saw the movie Eight Miles, so I thought I was a rapper too. I did some freestyling or whatever. But um, for me, it was like, you know, here's something that we can do at lunch. So I approached Jeremy Baker and was like, hey, man, 
what's the what's your thought about maybe you and uh, you and I battling sometime? And he just looked at me very directly and without pause or qualification said, I don't battle people. Um, I'm a Christian rapper. And I remember initially being shook that he wasn't qualifying what he meant by Christian rapper. What if you saying that you were a Christian rapper made me think that you were soft? And that would be that was my biggest fear as a 16 year old man, that somebody thought that I might be weak. Mm -hmm. So, though, if you went to my Black Planet page, all the black people that that were living in um, uh, and that graduated around 2004 to 2006, most of them, a lot of them probably had Black Planet pages, which is basically that was like Facebook before Facebook. Uh, it was my. Sp Do you remember MySpace, Christian? You're too young for MySpace. I, I was too young for it, but but obviously I know I know what MySpace is though. Okay, so you do know MySpace, man. Yeah, I see all this kid, these kids out here. They don't know back these in kids, our yeah, day. They don't know. Uh, so it was like before MySpace, there was Black Planet, and then on Black Planet, we would have to identify our religion, and my religion said Christian on there, but Jesus would never dictate what I was going to do or what I, what I wasn't going to do, and I certainly would not identify myself. I wouldn't volunteer myself to somebody as a Christian under no circumstances. Um, it was just culture. We went to church sometimes. So, they, you know, and the Christians are religion. But it wasn't who I was. Yeah. So the fact that Jeremy led with that, it struck me. He was unashamed. Um, I saw Jeremy outside eating lunch a few weeks later, and he had a CD on the table um, next to the plate and the pizza he had there. And I asked Jeremy... Uh, uh, who that was on the CD because it looked it looked very non-Christian to me. The dude on the front cover had dreadlocks like mine going down his back. He had a red bandana going across his forehead, a red bandana going across his mouth, and the title of the album was Bloody Streets Volume 1. So it's like, hey, Jeremy, I thought you missed a Christian. You definitely listening to bank robber music right now. What's going on with that? And uh, Jeremy gave, he said, no, this is Christian rap, and the Bloody Streets is not what you think it is. So he gave it to me. I took the CD home. I listened to every song. I loved every song. I found out very quickly that the Bloody Streets was talking about the blood of Jesus covering those in the streets. Um, that the gospel goes. Yeah, I have so resonated with this. The gospel doesn't also include the marginalized, even though it does. But the gospel aims at the marginalized. Mm -hmm. The gospel doesn't just make room for those in the streets. The gospel is for the streets. Yeah. And my 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 uh, that resonated with me. I, I was seen. I, I, some so God is seeing me in my plight, in my humility, in, in, in my smallness, in my outsideness. He sees me. And then throughout the album, he just started talking to all of my issues. And by the time he got to the eighth song, it was a gospel presentation that had a prayer at the end of it. Um, and I know, you know, there's lots of debates about the sinner's prayer and stuff like that. A lot, And a lot of the pushback is good. I said the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer didn't save me, but it was like my wedding vows. All right. I repeated mm -hmm. after the pastor and I meant everything that I said. And um, and that's that's what happened. I was in the room. I trusted Jesus and. And it's, that sparked the beginning of my journey, and I've been walking with Jesus ever since I ever since I that that day um, I I uh, I prayed at the end of that project. So at that point, I, the Lord did something to me, and this it's it's just the nature of how goodness works. If you experience goodness, and you care about people, you want other people to ex other people to experience it as well. And that's when I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, whether I'll be a lawyer. I end up going into theology. Um, um, it was between, you know, a few things. I don't know if I'm going to be a fighter. I don't know. Whatever I do, I'm going to be a missionary in it. I'm yeah. going to be there to introduce people ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's that's my long answer of how I I, I was mission-minded at an early age. Well, that's powerful. And you know, anyone that knows you now knows that you're pretty much everything you do now is with the 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 letters HGA, which stands for His Glory Alone. You know, you have merch and album title. Um, what's the origin of that, and why is that such a heartbeat of everything that you do? Absolutely, man. I think I was probably 18, 19 years old. Uh, myself and a few other brothers and sisters uh, were making a lot of noise in the city. 
we didn't have jobs and no real responsibility. So we spent all our time sharing the gospel and studying the Bible. So it was a group of maybe 30, 40 that grew to like 50, 60, 70 young men and women, most of us unchurched, uh, ragtag, uh, but serious about God, serious about the gospel and sharing it, serious about theology. And we just spent a lot of time. Like, I remember one day, I remember one day, um, if anyone's familiar with Tampa, I used to live by USF, which was also the hood as well. Uh, so I left the hood in St. Pete and moved to the hood in Tampa when I was 18. And, uh, we decided one day that we were going to walk from Tampa by uh, North Tampa by USF. Well, not really North Tampa, more like Northeast Tampa. We we're going to walk there to to Ebor City, which was like thirty miles away, and we were going to walk the whole way and share the gospel with every single person we saw on the walk, and. Uh, and we probably got about four or five miles. We're like, this ain't going to work. Let's take a bus the rest of the way. <laughs> uh, so we ended up taking a bus the rest of the way. But it was those kinds of things that gave us kind of a reputation in the city. Uh, we were also doing concerts as well. We were doing like, you know, we'll call them Give Them Glory concerts where we would, we would do our music and have 300. I think the biggest one we did had 400 people there right here in the city. And uh, people knew who we were. And we were like, yo... But how do we identify ourselves? Like what? Like what? What's the name of this thing that we're doing here? Um, and uh, me and a, a good friend of mine, uh, brother I love dearly, he was uh, actually in my wedding. Um, we were sitting down talking, and we just started throwing some names around. And I had said in a song we did, just uh, randomly, I was like, "Okay, his his glory alone, and nothing else." I just said it. Um, and it just hit me, HGA. And as soon as he heard it, he was like, yes, that is right. And I was like, that's, that's what we're on. We are, we are on, we want God to be glory, glorified in these mortal bodies. And that's our singular focus, no matter what we are doing. And it just felt like the perfect banner of not only what we wanted to be, but the passion of who we were in that moment. Um, we were living for his glory. So that's, that's, that's where it came from. I don't know if I've told that story. So I'm happy to, 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 to give that to your, your podcast, brother. Well, that's awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, I, def, I, de I definitely own some merch and I love, I love a lot of the songs on, on the album. So thank you, bro. I'm a fan of it. I love it. Well, as I said earlier, you, you are a husband and a father, um, with three children and taking them to school and all the things that come with that. But how do you actively lead and disciple your family? Yes, brother. That's a great question. Um, I think that being on the road um, makes it very difficult to be consistent with a program. And I really, really am grateful for the godly wife that the Lord has gifted me with who does uh, so much to develop our children spiritually. Um, but I think that I try to make the, the most out of the time that I have when I am home. For example, Sunday um, that just passed, yesterday, um, I did family worship with, with the boys and, um, uh, and Nala, my two-year-old. So she, you know, but Nala is just, she's walking around and giving people hugs through the service. But it was us four. And, um, you know, we, we, we turned on um, Elevation uh, Worships, uh, what song, Resurrect, Resurrecting. Mm -hmm. uh, so we prayed, we sung Resurrecting. Um, man, it's just resurrecting his name of the song. Um, uh, didn't realize it was that song's like seven minutes long, man. It's um, a long song. Yeah, we 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 made it through. We sung. The boys sang with me. We turned that off, and um, went into a a time of me talking to them about First Corinthians thirteen and what is the most essential concept of Christianity. I'm trying so badly to get them to not discover um, on the back end, which I think a lot of Christians do in America, is that we kind of discover on the back end what Jesus led with in terms of the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Um, and uh, so I want it, my main objective for my boys, 
for my, my baby girl as well, but I'm thinking particularly about my boys right now, over the next 10 years, for them to understand what the, 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 the DNA of Christianity is this concept of love that is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to feel that, be attracted to it, be blown away by it. Um, so I'm constantly trying to reiterate that um, as I take them to the gospel for when they fail to love. So it's what we did. We, we just we talked about God's call to love, our growing in it and our need for a savior to pull off all of that because obviously we're falling. And I, I try to have these intentional times where we do that. But that is not the main way I disciple my children, though. The main way I disciple my children is in the day to day life. It's not family worship is dope. And I'm a proponent of family worship. But that's not my main, that's not my, that's not my strongest weapon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's the conversations on the ride home. I think it's the moments where we're watching something and there's something that confuses them or, 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 or something happens. And like Toy Story 3, for example, <laughs> at the end, there's just, there, all of these toys are going towards a fiery pit and they, they can't save themselves. And, um, and they give up. They, they, they just hold hands and accept that it's over. And out of, out of nowhere, this claw comes down that is uh, ran by these three aliens uh, that then scoop them out of the, uh, the, the landfill that they were in. They were going down to a fiery pit and saved their lives. There's a great gospel analogy right there. Someone outside of us has yeah. to scoop down and save us from a fiery pit. And without the alien righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ invading us in our destruction, we would be lost forever. Yeah. And 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 so I'm using that's that's where I'm doing my work, my guy. That's where I'm trying to help them feel it. They also see me around the house. They see how I respond to their mother, even if their mother gets a little spicy with me. They're watching my response. They're, they're seeing how I temper my, 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 my anger. They're seeing how I, I, you know, catching me, reading early in the morning, praying, maybe weeping in worship. All of that stuff I want them to see uh, because I think the most impact is going to be caught in as we go as opposed to these dedicated moments of devotions and family worship. Yeah. So to yeah, not hate on so that, good. but that's, that's my thing. I mean, it's, it's really just about living it out. You know, that's what we're called to bear fruit. And I think... You know, if we do all these religious things, but our life is not marked by surrender and it's not marked by repentance and by fruit that, you know, that, that, that we're marked as as believers, then it's, you know, I think that's Thanks. what turns people off. It's like if we claim one thing, but then we live a different way, then it's like, you know, you really don't want anything to do with that. At least that was for me. Like, Facts. I went to church, but I had no relationship. And I, I, I thought that, you know, it was just a, a way of doing something but it wasn't even a I don't know, it was just wasn't fulfilling so i think when you actually when you actually put action behind your faith that that's when people start getting attracted to it i love it absolutely that's so good well brother so good you are the man and uh before before we leave i want i want to hear what your uh what your two challenges are for us absolutely so um so the church in ephesus he says this he says i know your works your toil your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So he starts this off by, he starts his, his, uh, his word to the church by encouraging them like, I see your patience. I see your hard work. I see that you all do not put up with false doctrine. You are willing to call out individuals who are tripping. And it, it, it references later in the passage this, uh, well, it references this, this group of, uh, this sect of Christians who, well, they weren't Christians. They basically departed from Orthodox Christianity and they went into this space where they essentially were saying that you can say you love Jesus and, and love God, and, but live however you want to live. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, which, which sounds a lot like what every solid church in America would say. That's one of their main things is people think that you can have God, 
you know, like Dallas Willard says that you can be a vampire Christian, that you can have Jesus for his blood to cover your sin, but you can reject him for his life. That is a major point for most churches, most solid, you know, mainline churches, Protestant mainline churches in America. And Jesus is saying, good, I agree with you, because this sect that he points out, that's their doctrine. Their theology is that it was especially around marriage. The, the, the guy who was leading it was allowing other men to be with his wife. And that, that was the thing they had. They wanted to open marriage up and keep their kind of Christian convictions. And God said, that's not OK. And he's commending the church in Ephesus because they think it's not OK as well. But he says this in verse four. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, very quickly, because we're at the end of this podcast and y'all know I'm, I'm a preacher and I'm long winded. I'm just going to say two quick things. Number one. The, the church was enduring, right? The church was being faithful to preaching the word and and saying the right things and stopping those people who were saying the wrong things, right? They were good at that. But Jesus says, even with all the great things you got going for you as a church, that if you are missing this one thing, the thing that I have against you, that this one thing that you're missing it's so crucial that if you don't have it, it's like all the other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how faithful you're being with your orthodoxy and your doctrine and your theology and your willingness to stand up against people that say things that are wrong. All of that is null and void as far as Jesus is concerned if you're missing this one thing that I hold against you. And the thing that I'm holding against you is you're not loving me the way you did when you first started. Mm -hmm. I, and I think that that also has dimensions that you're not loving me. And you're also not loving other people because, as Jesus said, the two commandments are connected. You can't be loving God and not loving people. It yeah. just doesn't work that way. So your love, the love that you have as a church has failed. And that piece missing bothers me so much that I will literally throw your church out yeah. if you do not recover that love. Yeah. We often miss in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when Paul says that if I give my body to be burned and have not love, I basically wasted my time. Paul is saying that if someone approaches me and says, deny Jesus or we're going to burn you at the stake, and I say, burn me at the stake. I go to the stake and have my body burned for the sake of Christ. Yet I do not have love that God has frowned upon that action. That's that crazy. martyrdom without love is of no effect as far as Jesus is concerned. Love is superior. It is essential. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, in in the in the, the the it is what's most essential to the Christian faith, and because love for other reasons, but at least one reason, because love is essential to relationship. As you started this podcast, Christian, you have I actually just referenced too about moving from religion to relationship. That's so important because God wants to be, he wants to walk with you. Mm -hmm. He wants to know you and he wants you to do that with other people. His, the whole idea, the whole project of redemption, of creation for that matter, is that God, who is a lover, who exists in his love for the father and the son, right? Excuse me, the, the son and the spirit, the Trinitarian love is to be displayed in the communities in which he is established. Mm -hmm. That that's, you missed that. You, you've missed the point. Yeah. And what Jesus is saying to us, the two quick things that, that give me uh, 60 seconds is that where our love has grown cold, we need to recognize it and repent of it. That's what he says in verse four. Mm -hmm. You have fallen. You have fallen fallen dear brother dear sister dear church if we have lost our commitment 
to love, we've fallen. And we got to confess it. We have to admit it. I have not loved God as I ought, particularly not the way I did when I first met him. And that's why he says repent. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I'm going to say to you is return. Mm -hmm. He says, do the works that you did at first. Think back on what it was like when, if I can quote the brother Brandon Lake, when God turned your graves into gardens. Mm -hmm. Remember when he, when he brought beauty from the ashes of your life. Remember how you couldn't stop singing his songs, how you saw his glory everywhere you went, how you were constantly committed to the people of God and the work of God, and you had dreams and visions for changing the world for the kingdom. Think back on that. And start doing that stuff again. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for God to show up and give you a renewed sense of love and vision. Don't wait for that. It's not magical. It's intentional. Yeah. Go back and do what you were doing when you first started. From the Bible studies, the praying, the, the books that you read, the places that you worship. Go back and do that stuff again. Repent and return the first love that's my encouragement for 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 the people today my brother man that is so good well that's that is so encouraging kb what's a good physical challenge so my physical that my, my physical challenge is i want you all to join me if you will in my own physical challenge now i uh i understand that running is horrible okay it's terrible and uh it's it's a it's a very very uh it's intense on the knees <laughs> You've never seen somebody happy while they were jogging. Um, however, I do believe, for me, that jogging is, I, I don't like it, but I always like that I did it. And I think that there's something about the, um, the, the action of being out in creation, pushing your body, um, and sort of, you know, to me, it feels like it calibrates me. So my challenge to you is what my challenge is to myself is that three days a week, I'm doing Monday. In fact, when I leave here, I'm going to a soccer field. When I leave the office, I'm going to a soccer field and I'm going to run sprints. Uh, but get some good runs in, man. Get you a mile in, get you a mile in, get you a mile or two, maybe get some good sprints in. Um, that would be my challenge. I'm doing that for the entire month of April. I'm running three days a week. I don't care if it's in the rain or a hurricane. Uh, we are going to make it happen. Um, and I'm always, I feel just so much better after I've done it. So that's my challenge. Awesome. Well, pump for that. Because running is one of my least favorite things to do. So that's a good challenge to give myself. It is awful, man. But it's, it's rewarding. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Love it, man. God bless y'all. <laughs>